struck me through my heart Now I'm trapped in the web of love Trapped in the web of love Trapped I'm You are listening to Share a Slice with Sean everybody welcome to another episode of share slice with sean so this show is a really special one i have an interview with author and artist alexis hunter and she's calling in from joshua tree in the middle of the desert in california press of the 1960s and the 1970s believed that she was the sister of the famous television actress Joy Lansing, but in reality, she was actually the secret lover of Joy Lansing. She recently published a book about this called A Body to Die For. The reason for that title is because Joy Lansing, she died from an easily preventable cancer. Um, And the reason for this is just all the pressure that was put on actresses back in the 1960s and the 1970s in Hollywood. It was really a man's world back then. And uh, if you were a woman trying to make it in Hollywood, um, well, a lot of them did a lot of crazy things like inject silicon directly into their bloodstream, directly into their body. So we're going to learn about that from Alexis Hunter, and we're going to learn a a lot of really interesting stories about Joy Lansing, and I'm sure you will recognize Joy from at least one of her dozens, if not hundreds, of television appearances. Um, There will be a simulcast of this podcast on YouTube with pictures, a sort of a slideshow, and some films uh, playing along with the interview. So uh, you can either listen to it here because it's convenient, or you can go to YouTube. There'll be a link in the show notes, and you can watch the episode with all of the various um, footage as well. So without further ado, let's jump right into the interview with author Alexis Hunter. She was considered the Marilyn Monroe of television. She did all the sitcoms. All, just about every show. And, and that was why so many people recognized her. At that time, there were only t- three TV stations, ABC, NBC, and CBS. And she was on every network, working constantly. She was on uh, something called uh, The Adventures of ha- Ozzie and Harriet uh, mm-hmm. in the 50s. And uh, I mean, I guess some of these wouldn't really resonate with some of the people these days, but she was also with Frank Sinatra on uh, Marriage on the Rocks as well. So she's been just on absolutely everything, just ubiquitous, basically. I mean, people today can see her on reruns of I Love Lucy, which, you know, is pretty well known. Yeah. Uh, So that's helpful. And the Beverly Hillbillies. She was a regular on Beverly Hillbillies. Yeah, Gladys, right? That was her character name. <laughs> Gladys flat. <laughs> they thought that was very funny. 
she impressed upon Lucy so much that Lucy actually wanted to uh, give uh, Joy a contract at one point to have her work for the studio uh, more on a more uh, yeah. regular basis. And sure she did. She, she recognized that Joy's comedic talent. Yes, she was very sexy. She was one of the blonde bombshells, but she had a great, great comedic talent because she played everything deadpan. She took, I mean, very seriously. She was funny. She was very, very funny. And she wasn't threatening to people. Uh, women liked her and, and men liked her, so it was a good thing. But unfortunately, Joy had bad management and her last husband uh, was her manager at the time and told her, are you serious? You're too good for I Love Lucy or, or Lucille Ball. Uh, you don't want this. So they, he turned down the contract, which was a tragedy. Uh, she could have done so much more. This was the, the same studio that did uh, Star Trek back in the day, too. So, it's, <laughs> yes, you know, yeah. you did more than just write this book like it's not some biography that you you wrote from a distance you actually lived what's in this book because after idolizing joy uh since her beginnings in the 1950s like you actually uh, fell in love with joy on the television screen you actually through some fluke of fate managed to meet joy and then I basically begin a love story with Joy uh, uh, undercover. I mean, I think that's the real meat. Let's get to that. How how did you meet Joy Lansing? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a, it's an amazing thing. Um, when I was a kid uh, living in Kansas, I was just fascinated uh, by Joy. I thought she was just the most beautiful woman I'd ever seen, and I would rush home from school to watch her show whenever it was on. Later on, um, my family moved from Kansas to California, and I finished school and decided I wanted to be an actress. So I moved to Hollywood, and I lived at the Studio Club. Are you familiar with the Hollywood Studio Club, uh, Sean? No. Is, is it some sort of dorm-type situation? Yeah, yeah. It was where all the young actresses lived. I lived there at, at the same time, Farrah Fawcett and Sandy Duncan. Uh, and Sally Struthers lived there, and uh, they did a little bit more than I did, actually. <laughs> it was, it was, uh, yeah. I, but I, hey, uh, they may have done been a little bit more famous, but I did Bigfoot, and that's how I, uh, the Stinko film Bigfoot, and that's how I met Joy. Uh, a friend of mine had a part in the film and called me one day and said, "I cannot wear this stinking monkey suit one more day." Do you want the job? So I said, of course, because I knew this was going to be my big break. And so I met the producer and director, and I got the job. And uh, I show up early in the morning because this was a real low-budget film. I mean, my God. And uh, I'm there sitting, getting uh, in this monkey suit, getting hair, this fake fur uh, glued to my face and my hands. And they sprayed sprayed me with like black spray uh, spray paint, and it was just hideous. And in walks the most beautiful woman I had ever seen, and that was Joy. Joy was the star of the show, and she sat down next to me. They were doing, you know, just touching up her makeup, 
Oh, my God. She was the sweetest person I had ever met in my life. And we became friends. I would help her with her lines. Yeah, you know, if you do film, it is hurry up and wait. And you just sit and sit and sit in between takes. And I would spend a lot of time with her. And she was just so unbelievably sweet and kind, uh, not pretentious. Uh, she was... My God, she was an angel. I looked on the the listing, and this w- would have been the maybe the last movie that Joy made, like movie wise. Yeah, it was it was the last film that she did. It was the last film she did. It was in nineteen sixty nine, right? And I think it was released in seventy or seventy one. Yeah, um, <laughs> they had to do a lot of work on it, and that really didn't help too much. If you ever see it. It's on YouTube. Uh, yeah, yeah. Not, not a great, not a, not a great film. And the only thing that this film, I think, served in the grand scheme of things is it got you guys together. Because I remember reading in the in the book that you actually drove up in your old beater car and you you, you know you, you parked <laughs> right. it far away from the set because you didn't want anybody to see sure, you I didn't in this want car. To see it. I used to, yeah, of course not. <laughs> And then you, you went in there and, and you got, you got uh, dressed up like this monkey. And, and I think Joy basically said, you know, oh, you, you poor deer or something like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> she felt sorry for me. She, she knew I was miserable. Oh, and they put these stupid uh, plastic things in your mouth. Which right. Was re- so you probably couldn't fit. speak properly oh. and you're kind of oh, no, drooling. No, no. And, and she, right. And she, and she still was nice to me. The following morning, I decided I was going to get there, and, and, and uh, I got all dolled up, and uh, so she could see that I wasn't a monster, just you know, for the hell of it. And I and I did, and she was taken, which was really nice. It was it was really nice, and we and we became super super good friends. Uh, yeah, she had a husband, uh, Stan Todd, mm-hmm. uh, right, and he. Um, was a bit aloof, let's put it that way. So she was kind of just, you know, lonely. They were not living together. I mean, they separated in 65, and Joy had her own place on La Cienega and Fountain called Fountain Deer West. Uh, he was more like a father to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was that was their relationship. I mean, he, he was a real character. He loved being around celebrities. That was his thing. It made him feel important. He would say he was a producer, uh, even though he didn't do any producing that I'm aware of. So. He played a lot of tennis, basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he was big in tennis. Big in tennis and uh, big in name-dropping. Having Joy Lansing on his arm was uh, fantastic, but, I mean, it turns out that the person that Joy Lansing really had on her arm uh, was you, because... Um, you guys, uh, you and Joy, basically became lovers, and yes, and this was yes. under. I, I I still can't believe that uh, Stan never figured this one out, but uh, he, he didn't. Yeah, you and Joy became soulmates, basically. Um, and, and we did. Yeah. You moved in, I think, pretty much, uh, pretty much immediately. Right away. <laughs> it was bingo. <laughs> yeah, after the film wrap, we 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 spent time together and. Do you remember reading about uh, me working in the go-go bar? Yes, yes, I remember that. <laughs> that was, yeah, uh, I was living at the studio club, and one of the girls had a had a 
job working in a go-go bar, a real, real dive in Hollywood. It was her birthday and she didn't want to do it. So she asked me if I wanted to do it. And I said, of course, that was another one of my big breaks. You know, I knew that was going to, you know, someone, some big producer was going to see me there. So, so there I am and getting ready to do that. And, And I called joy and I said, Oh, uh, because at, at that time, she was dating Sid Caesar, and they were having this illicit affair. And Who was and it again? Said, Sid Caesar. Sid Caesar, okay. Right, and, and he was a big comedian at the time on television, did tons of work. And I said, uh, maybe you and Sid could come and, and see me. And so I, and she said, well, let me, let me check. And so there I am in my go-go boots in a little bikini, standing on this little platform in this smoke-filled dive, dancing to this recorded music, in walks Joy. Oh, I mean, dressed to the nines, mink coat, the whole bit, full makeup, and she walks in and everybody's jaw drops. And she sits, there are chairs around the platform, and she sits right in front of me. Oh, my God. And, and as, <laughs> I'm in shock. And suddenly uh, the tune of Temptations, My Girl plays, and I'm dancing to this, and, and we just started looking at each other. And, uh, I mean, that was it. And uh, she says, calls me to whisper something to me, and I, and I lean over, and she says, you don't belong here. Let's get out of here. So <laughs> I, I, just, I just got off the stage, and we just booked. I just left and went over to her place and was just, listening to music uh, by her fireplace and she kissed me and that was it. That was, that was the beginning of the relationship. And I, I, I never left until, until she died. Well, I mean, anybody getting kissed by Joy Lansing, I mean, uh, oh I can understand God. that. Oh, oh my God, Sean, I gotta tell you, I am the luckiest person on the planet. It's like something from some sort of fairy tale. I mean, uh, it, it was a fairy tale. It was a fairy tale. My God. I mean, this kid from Kansas suddenly is with the most beautiful woman on, on, on earth who absolutely loves you. <sighs> Amazing. And Joy was straight. That that was the, the very interesting part of the deal. She was she she loved men and she she'd been married three times and was always dating some really interesting guy. Howard Hughes, uh, Sinatra, she dated a, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the important men. And I just came into her life at a time when it was right. And uh, she fell in love with me as a person. It had, it wasn't a sexual thing. It was, I mean, it's hard to explain, but I I think you understand, Sean. Yeah, it was I just mean, magic. It was magic. It was magic. If if you fall in love with a person, then I mean, right? You express your love with your body, and you know, if you happen to have right. a female or a male body, I mean, or something in between, yeah, then that's absolutely. you do it, right? I mean, absolutely. And I, I'm so happy you understand because some people might not understand, but it, it was just the timing was right. The timing was right for her. It was right for me. And it was good. And at that point in her life, and especially became, since she became ill, that uh, she needed someone who would be nurturing and kind and uh, more of a, a the feminine en- energy. Work. Right. Caring. 
Yeah, to heal for, right. for healing purposes. I mean, and even Marilyn Monroe made a pass on her. Uh, yes, she did. And it scared Billy. <laughs> Marilyn asked her if she wanted to go to Palm Springs with me. And then Joy just went up a panic time and then said, uh, uh, no, I, I have plans. Uh, so, but thank you. That, and that's another thing that fascinates me because I have this very... Um, uh, how should I put it? Milk toast kind of uh, sanitized view, uh, you know, leave it to beaver kind of image sure. of the 50s and the 60s, you know, the Partridge family and all this kind of stuff. Sure, sure. I mean, it must have been widely known that when Marilyn Monroe said, hey, want to come hang out with me? It actually <laughs> meant, hey, you know, want to go have some fun, want to go for a tumble. Sure, sure, sure. In fact, it was interesting with the studios that, you know, at, the, at that time, there was no birth control. The studios were so invested financially in their female stars, they sort of turned a blind eye to uh, homosexuality in the business. There were a lot of gay and bisexual uh, stars because they didn't want their female stars to get pregnant. They were yeah. scared to death because that would have killed their careers. Uh, a lot of things happened, uh, on, as they would say now, on the down low. Even though being gay at that time would have destroyed everybody. If anyone found out, that, that's the whole problem. If anyone found out, their careers would have been toast. That would have been the end of them. And that's why Joy and I had to uh, assume a sister's act. I became her, her younger sister. You became Rachel Lansing rather than Nancy Hunter. Yeah. Right. Uh, Joy took me to meet Joy Bishop, who, who was a really good friend of hers. And uh, she, she did all of his shows. Joy was just a really nice guy. And he said, you don't look like a Nancy. You look like a Rachel. So you should be Rachel. So Joy said, oh, yeah, she should be Rachel. So from that point on, I was a Rachel. I was uh, Joy's sister, Rachel. And we could pull it off because we were both blonde, had exactly the same color eyes. Um, I was taller, but uh, that didn't seem to matter. So that's how we got away with it. And no one, no one ever suspected. It's at least not that I'm aware of. And we were around gossip columnists, Rona Barrett and other people, and no one ever said anything or you know intimated anything sort of nasty about our relationship, which was great because we kept it very cool. It seemed like such a strange time. I mean, and, and, you know, I'm kind of mixing up the decades here because I'm coming at it from someone who's much younger. But I mean, uh -huh. even looking at some of her parts in like, for instance, the adventures of Ozzy and Harriet called Uninvited Guests. That, I mean, that's where she is the sexy daughter of... Uh, of uh, I think it's the Johnson friends of the Johnsons who come and visit them and and she goes and and she's like wow you really know how to do golf or something and and, and <laughs> I think it was funny, that's the funniest shit well I don't remember the man so very well but I sure remember his wife all right she was a real shapely blonde you see Oz was out on the putting green minding his own business or at least that's what he claimed. Good morning. Isn't it a beautiful day? Well, yes, it certainly is. I thought I'd play a little golf this morning. Oh, well, good for you. You've got a nice day for it. 
The only thing is, though, I've never played before. Do you know anything about the game? Oh, well, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say that. I, I've played at it for quite a few years. Oh, I bet you played beautifully. Oh. <laughs> uh, what makes you say that? Oh, I don't know. You just look like the athletic type. Oh, well, uh, actually, uh, golf is, I, I mean, it's, it's a strange sort of a game. Yes, they say that putting is the most important part of the game. Well, uh, no, no, all the strokes are, are, are important. Of course, it, it is true if you want to score well, you've got to putt well. Oh, isn't that cute? Uh, 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 what is? What you just said. If you want to score well, you've got to putt well. Oh, I must remember that. No, if you want to score well, you've, you've got, got to putt, a, a putt well. well Do you have a pencil? I'd love to write that down. Oh, oh. <laughs> I, uh, actually, it isn't that complicated. Uh, all you do is just uh, tap the ball into the cup. Would you show me, please? You seem to make everything sound so, so interesting. Well... Oh, are you expecting someone? Well, uh, I was expecting my, my uh, caddy. Well, uh, oh, okay, just uh, uh, tap the ball into the cup here. Okay. Are you watching me? Yes, yes, I, I, I'm watching. Am I bending over far enough? Uh, I, I would say you are definitely from, from, from this angle. Oh. oh, I didn't do that very well at all, did I? Well, well that, that, that wasn't too bad because you, you, you hit the ball a little too hard. See, you have to uh, uh, stroke it firmly but, but uh, gently. Would you show me, please? Uh, uh, well, uh, now. Don't uh, grip the club too tight. Oh, that's it, just uh... May I play through? No! Oh, that is so and funny. he's there and he's like you know he's he's helping her grip and he's like well you know you need to have a firm grip on the rod and you need to like you know you just stroke uh, you need to do the stroke properly and uh, get the ball in the cup so and, and the whole thing uh, and I'm so like the amount of in you the 50s were weird because it seems like they every, were weird and, and a lot of these jokes were very I, it like I have some friends who are Mormon and it was almost like I was talking to them it's like they were everybody was very re kind of I, I guess repressed so the jokes about sex were very oh, yeah. awkward and television I mean everybody had to be in a twin bed you, there was no touching I mean uh, you never saw people in a bed together oh, yeah, yeah. Or, on TV or, or films it was you know the ratings they were not allowed and so it, it was repressed, and, and everything was sort of like tongue-in-cheek. Uh, whether she liked it or not, it was like a double-edged sword. It was her boon, and it was her sort of bane, you know? Is that yes, she, they was. had her on, at, for instance, this show as the sexy piece, I guess. She's always sort right. of cast as being the uh, Lilith, wicked witch, uh, tempting, sultry, lust-filling. Oh, sure bad guy in a lot of these shows yeah. i find yeah she was i mean in a lot of things she was just window dressing yeah. i mean they'd have her for all the promotion and they'd play off of her sex appeal she did a lot of a lot of work but unfortunately you know like monroe he was so upset about not being able to do serious parts mm. uh joyce studied with strasburg and uh 
she she was actually a very good actress, very very good actress, but she did wasn't able to really use her acting chops. Uh, oh my goodness! Very like, much. I was watching some of these shows. I'm really picking on the Adventures of Ozzy and Harriet here, but I mean, the thing. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, I asked her who who she thought was the sexiest man, you know, in film and television, and. I expected to hear some, you know, gorgeous hunky or guy. Something, yeah. yeah, somebody like that. No, guess who? Ozzy. <laughs> Ozzy Nelson. She thought he was the sexiest guy she'd in the business. Mm, you got to wonder where she's coming from, though, like what she's looking for. <laughs> I was just almost skipping forward for her because she had a lot more depth. Like the stories were so boring for some of these oh, uh, these uh, shows, like you know, because they were being put on by you know Quaker Oats and Quaker Oats. Heaven <laughs> to Betsy, they would never want to so insult her or, or offend <laughs> anybody with their bland oatmeal of uh, whatever. She would often be the one that colored the the story, and she would be like. Um, everybody's excuse to think uh, sexy thoughts or to say sexy things oh, sure. on the show. Because they cast her this way, in, in this sort of very, uh, I guess, uh, puritanical kind of environment, at least on television, I, I, in, in her real life, she had problems too. Because wherever she went, I mean, she had to dress the part, I guess, for her act. Oh, yeah. Right? But that oh, meant absolutely. that she was sexualized no matter where she went, including the doctor's office. Which, and that ought, that oh, ultimately... Yeah spelt her 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 doom towards yeah, yeah. the end that, it was it was terrible yeah i mean everywhere we would go I mean, first of all she would not leave the house unless she was perfect and because it, 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 there's an undercurrent to the book about what was really happening in hollywood and the pressure the pressure to be the most beautiful the pressure to be young the pressure to be glamorous and uh Perfection. You couldn't have a wrinkle. You couldn't show age. You had to be uh, always sexy, always on, always gorgeous. And it took its toll. It, it, I mean, it took its toll on everybody, especially the more beautiful women, uh, because the fear of growing old, the fear of not working, when, when that's your whole life and that is your dream, as it was for Joy, there was so much pressure. Uh, so she she wouldn't leave the house unless she was just absolutely dressed to the nine, and she always had to have that always had to be on. And but she, she was always friendly with people, always nice and kind because uh, she was not who she portrayed on you know on the screen. She was not that person. She was the sweet little girl. She was just the sweet little girl uh, who. Had, was in this body that she partially created, and that—that's another part of the story. Sean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she was she felt so much pressure, and I know that many women have felt that, and, and many women do feel that, and especially with the Me Too you, sure. you movement as well, the Me Too movement. She actually went and got her breasts and her buttocks, and perhaps other parts, augmented with these crooked doctors who injected her with um, silicone. I never heard of this before because when I was growing up, I heard about the bags that would sometimes leak oh, right. and that caused problems. The use of silicone started from my research right after World War II 
in Japan, the Japanese women wanted to uh, have big boobs. Have, yeah, they wanted to to attract the GIs. Right. And and American men, God love them, love big boobs. So somehow or other, someone decided that there, there was a you know one of those great big barrels of silicone, and someone thought, well, you know, maybe this would be good, and so they started injecting it. When Joy did it, she and Sinatra went, uh, I think she did it first. She went to a a doctor who injected her. It's like instantaneous. Suddenly you have bigger boobs. And uh, she went there with Sinatra and he had some in his face. And that's why his face was so lumpy toward the end. Mm -hmm. And so that augmented her, her chest. It was terrible. It was terrible. It's a terrible thing. And that's one of the reasons why I wrote the book. They're doing it now, Sean. And Joy didn't have it in her bottom. She uh, concentrated on the upstairs, not the downstairs. They weren't starting implants at that point. Right. So for a woman to have these great big, pardon me, hooters, it was just like uh, a calling card. People went crazy over this. Especially with the Brazier's back then, the the crazy. Oh my God! The, the pointed ones, bullet things. Oh my God! They're scary. Tight sweaters and giant cones. You're afraid a, a laser beam is going to come flying out of them or something. <laughs> well, it could happen. It could yeah. happen. So <laughs> scary stuff. So, but silicone is the most hideous stuff. Uh, it causes so many problems, so many health problems, and. Uh, I got to stop them. I have to stop these people who are doing it. And I hope that somebody out there, if you're listening, if you're thinking of having silicone in your breast or your bottom or your face, please don't do it. Is it against the law now or is it happening underground? It's underground. It's never okay. been legal, especially in, uh, my God, this, this stuff migrates. You can have great big boobs one day and have, Bad ankles, you know, down the line. I mean, it, and it's terrible and it's hard to remove. It's very, very difficult to remove. In fact, there's a, a doctor in Florida now who specializes in doing this because so many people are having it done because, okay, okay right now they're doing fillers, they're doing the Botox and uh, a Juvederm and Restylane, and these things are fillers. They fill in the lines in your face and some people, instead of wanting to, uh, spending money every six weeks or whatever, whenever you need to redo it, because uh, it's expensive. Well, they hear about, oh, I have a friend who has a friend right. who does this, and it's permanent. It's not like Botox, yeah. No, it's cheap. So these people are fascinated by it, and they do it. And, my God, they suffer. It's a terrible, terrible, terrible thing. And to remove this crap, uh, sometimes you can remove it, sometimes you can't. It's frightening. It's just frightening. Uh, sadly, um, she even brought you, she didn't know, obviously. But she didn't know. She yeah, brought she you meant, into, I think it was a New York doctor. Yeah, a doctor. And I used the word loosely, a doctor, uh, Dr. Rich. I'll never forget this guy. He brought out this enormous syringe and he not only injected um, Joy, he also injected you. I had one injection in each breast. And the first one was, you know, because they, they injected underneath from the bottom, underneath uh, the breast. And 
the first one was no problem. The second one, I could feel, feel like the tissue tearing. Ugh. And it, it was just hideous. And I thought, oh, crap, what have I done? I knew it right then and there. I knew this was the biggest mistake of my life. And it was. And um, I, I didn't have any more injections. I didn't, and it didn't change my boobs at all. They were not any larger. All it did was make me lose them at 26 years old. So 26 um, years old. And how I was 26. How old were you when you got the injections? I was 21. Jeez. I was 21. I mean, I was, you know, uh, uh, it was done innocently, uh, you know, by me and Joy, we, we, she didn't know, and I was naive, and I thought, you know, it was just a big, stupid mistake, but I don't want anybody else to make the same mistake, because uh, I've had four reconstructions, and uh, by, the, <laughs> by the fourth one, they started to look like shoeboxes. <laughs> just, you know, I'm serious. Oh, they were just Better yeah. I, yeah, I, cut, I, I cut my losses and cut them off. So I got, I, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, uh, what price beauty or, you know. Or, that that <laughs> was the, that was the reoccurring story though, because then, I mean, in 1972, uh, not to give, not to, for a spoiler, but uh, I'll, I'll give one here anyway. 1972, uh, Joy unfortunately passed away of cancer yes. as a direct result of that and I believe it was, and and, and another thing, it, the estrogen. Yeah, that was the the gasoline on the fire. When she was in her thirties, she went to a doctor, uh, who, and and she says, "I can't grow old. I can't grow old. What can I do? What can I do?" He says, "Oh, take this." And so he gave her an open-ended prescription for it. Premarin, estrogen, and even though her body was producing plenty of it, uh, and he didn't say, you know, you only take it so much, and to, and then you go, and then you don't take it. No, she she took it every single day, and I know that that and the combination of the silicone and all, uh, she ended up with a breast and ovarian cancer, God. and uh, uh, it was it was just hideous. The Orson Welles story was 1958, uh, and that was all about the fountain of youth. It was all about her and her, oddly enough, tennis star boyfriend. (laughs) How funny is that? Yeah. Wanting to live forever, and, and they had this vial that they wanted to drink for that. You know, it's just kind of interesting that uh, the the parallel there, and I, you know, it makes me yes. wonder with the timing if, like, uh, if maybe that yeah. film like reinforced whatever kind of you know insecurity she had. Uh, probably, you're right. I didn't even I didn't even think about it, Sean. Yeah, yeah I think yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Because the she would have been uh, filming that, and uh, if you watch the movie, it, the way it plays out. Is just interesting because you have this doctor who uh, falls in love with her character, and right, he, out right. of spite, he gives them this vial of eternal life uh-huh. because he can't have her because her boyfriend, who is this tennis star, is with her instead. It's a combination of her yearning to always be young and always be beautiful in combination with you know being famous. 
and uh, these doctors who would rather date her and, and would rather have her have perky breasts, I think, than actually be healthy in a way. When she was starting to have health problems uh, and we'd go to doctors and it's and because of her beauty. I mean, her, that's why I wrote the title of the book, A Body to Die For. Uh, her body was her demise. I mean, it was so important to her, but it also it also killed her. Uh, these doctors, they lost their their faculties, right? They, they yeah, they, they yeah, oh yeah, they did. Uh, suddenly, uh, excuse me, and then they bring in bring in the other doctors in the office just to talk to her, just to look at her. They forgot about why she was there. You think that the book would be kind of depressing but the book is not the book is like a celebration no. of it was a celebration of a wonderful, every moment wonderful and yeah we had a blast Sean. we had a great it's life hard to together. believe it was only two years like two or three years it was uh, a total amount that we were together was like three and a half years i wrote the book so it wouldn't be a downer because it wasn't uh, we had a we had a spectacular life together and we did so many things. We went to Vegas. She, she was she starred in Vegas. We were around some of the most really cool people, as big stars and Liberace, people. Uh, oh, Liberace and, uh, and Elvis. I mean, Elvis, I, James I, Brown. Elvis kissed me. Do you believe yeah. that? Elvis kissed me. Wow. That is, you know, that is too cool. Dean Martin and oh my God, Steve Lawrence, Edie Gourmet, James Brown, just. Great, great people. What kid from Kansas has this experience? Hello. And that's the thing. Like, she didn't act in any more movies, really, after Bigfoot. Uh-uh. I mean, that probably was the coffin, that the nail it. in her coffin yeah. for movies in a way. But but yeah. she was still, she did a lot of, um, in Vegas, for instance, she did. So she did sure. a, a musical or, or a show. She did a stage play. She did uh, Come Blow Your Horn. Yeah, and uh, she was Vegas. she was a phenomenal singer too. She had this amazing yeah. sort of oh yeah alto baritone kind of voice. Like oh, she could fabulous. really dig in very, there. Very, very sexy, very sexy, wonderful voice. And she, she was a wonderful singer. In fact, toward the end of her career, that's what she did primarily. She had a nightclub act, and she appeared all over the country. And she went to Australia and. Uh, she got tremendous reviews because nobody expected her to be able to sing. They oh, thought, yeah. oh, bimbo. Yeah, Marilyn Monroe, poor Marilyn, you know. Oh, my God, yeah. But Joy was a singer. Yeah. Amazing singer. And when we were in Vegas, when she was doing Come Blow Your Horn, uh, Lainey Kazan, uh, I don't know if she was ill or something happened, and uh, they called her from the Sahara and asked her, if she wanted to fill in, and, and so she did. And that was the first time she actually sang with a full orchestra. And that was the highlight of her life. She, it was great. She did great. She was ready. She was going to sign a contract for an album. She was going to do that, and then she became ill. The world still is the same. We'll never change it. Just as sure as the stars shine above you are 
on nobody till somebody loves you. So find yourself somebody to love. Shall I fetch a truck around now, Granny? It's all fixed. Uh, but what I'm doing now is I have found her masters. You know, a lot of masters that she cut. Uh, wow, uh, on tape and, or something? And I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, and and vinyl. You know, on, I don't know. It's not on vinyl. Mm-hmm. They were masters. I, I don't know what you call it. Um, and I'm I'm going to make a I'm going to produce a, a CD of Joyce songs, and, and it'll be so cool because she was really really good. To be honest, I had seen Joy musically before I even know who she was. I actually lusted wow. after Joy before I knew who she was <laughs> because <laughs> I saw her perform in the cheesiest, campiest video called The Web of Love. Oh, is that the worst? It's great. It's so campy and it's so bad. It's wonderful. Laughing his wings in a rage I can't fly away would that have been kind of towards the end too of a, like because she looked like maybe in the 60s or something like that she did yeah, that yeah it, was, yeah it was in the 60s yeah and those were called there was, before there were music videos there was a, a machine that they put in restaurants and bars called a scopatone and uh, what it was it was actual films of contemporary singers and you put in I don't know it was a quarter or something and you could a person could put in a quarter it's like a jukebox and you put in your 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 uh, money and you could watch your favorite singer sing a song and Joy was one of the top recording artists for Scopatone but they were so cheesy they were so bad Especially Web of Love is my favorite because it's so awful. I mean, the camera angles are on her, on her, on her boobs yeah, and her, on her pelvis uh, and other everything. parts of yeah, her body. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah zeroed in and uh, terrible dancers behind her and in bikinis. It was just, it's really campy. It's very funny. And she did uh, uh, Silencer, which is, which is good. And uh, the Web of Love and another one I can't remember. But, uh, but the web of love. You can see that on YouTube. It's just it's all over unbelievably the place. funny. Yeah. It's all over the place. Back when, in the 70s or early 70s, I mean, uh, we're talking pre-Three's Company here, right? Um, right. How did that go? I mean, when you discovered that you were gay. Right. It was illegal, but I mean. Did, oh, Absolutely. Did you go to bars or what? How did that work? Uh, yeah, yeah. There were there are a few bars in L.A. I was living at the Studio Club, and there were a few bars in the L.A. There was one on Pico called the Mint, a woman's bar, and it was a tiny little seedy, dark, ugly little bar. But you know that's where uh, women would go to meet other women or uh, to feel like uh, you're not alone in the world, and. I, I found out about the place and I went there and it, it was frightening because at that point, any bar, any gay bar, male or female, uh, was a no touch bar, which means you could not have any physical contact with anyone. In fact, if I sat there and held hands with someone, 
I'm not talking sexually. I'm just talking touching someone. The police could come and take you away. Wow. Yeah. So it was awful. It was awful. This would have been. Wait a minute. I'm trying this to remember when Stonewall. Yeah, 1968. Yeah. Well, actually, Stonewall happened. Um, oh God, is it 69. I, uh, I believe it was 69. The year that I met Joy. Uh, yeah, it was terrible. The police yeah. could come in any time and roust you, uh, take you away, uh, harass, uh, uh, because it was it was considered uh, immoral and illegal and disgusting. Uh, and thank God things are changing a little bit better. I'm interested because your name changed over the ages a little bit. <laughs> no kidding. And, and talk about confusing, yes. And you, you were Nancy Hunter, and then you were Rachel Lant. Well, you were Nancy right, Hunter, then, and then Ivory Hunter for a while. Oh, and yeah. It, oh, yeah, that was... Uh, uh, yeah, it was a story I told Joy because you know, we were going to move to Palm Springs. Right. And I had a little experience in Palm Springs, and I had to tell her about it because uh, Joy was high profile. Me being with her could have caused her problems because when I was living at the studio club, I mean, I was so green. I was just so naive. I went on a casting call, and suddenly I was going to be the star of a film. They decided I should be Ivory Hunter. You know, so, okay. So it sounds like a stripper's name or something, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it did, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I was Ivory Hunter, and uh, this guy was a totally, uh, total con man. Uh, I went to Palm Springs, and uh, the guy was ripping off people right and left. There was no real film. It was all, all fake. And so... Uh, they put me on a bus and rode <laughs> rode me out of town. <laughs> they sent me away. They sent me back to L.A. on a, on a one way ticket. Uh, your roommate actually uh, ended up visiting you in all these f- well progressively oh, sure. less fancy hotels, but uh, in right. Palm Springs there, and she right. thought something was stinking about it because she was a little more yeah. less green than you. Yeah, and and it made me it started to make me nervous, and then 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 suddenly the police, these detectives, take me away, and and they told me to, to uh, make a statement. And uh, honey, I sang like a canary. <laughs> you used the whole <laughs> notebook. Yeah. Oh man, I you know I was scared out of my mind. I just uh, I was so young. I was. I think 20. Just to give the listeners uh, some background here, this was, they were basically using you as um, proof that they had a, uh, a oh, lead. Film, yeah. Right? Like sure. a, a, so an yeah. actress for the movie that they were planning oh, yeah. on making and they never did. No, it was, it was just, it was, it was just bilking people out of money, trying to get investors. I mean, it was just awful. I remember reading and I'm like, oh my God, is something going to happen to her? Because um, uh, they they had driven you out into this country road where the, in the apparently you were afraid that the the shocks on the car would just uh, come springing off that the, because <laughs> yes, the road was yes. so bad and, and going that out was terrible. into the country and, and they had actually brought you to a, like a uh, I guess a nudist or a naturalist uh, a nudist, uh, uh, yeah camp. a nudist colony and I I'd never I mean in Kansas they don't no. none that I'm aware of <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and there I am everybody in I totally make it, and, and, and uh, you know, I'm just like, oh my god, 
okay, if this is being a movie star, I, you know, okay. Marilyn was very comfortable with her naked body, so I guess so, right? Yeah, exactly. So, honey, I've had some great times. <laughs> interesting, you, interesting time. On that day when she, she died of cancer, some of the press sources actually misreported her age, and they said that she was... Sure. 37 instead of, I think, right. well, she would have been 43 just a few days 40, after her 43. birthday. Yeah, she was 43. She was so young, so, so tremendously young. And she, I mean, I mean, it's, yeah, it's tragic, but John, she was so happy for the last few years of her life. So it was great. She found her, her happiness towards the end. And she also found somebody who was probably a lot like she was at some point. And she was able right. to take you under her wing and sort of protect you in a way, too. So oh, although you were lovers, you were also friends. And in a way, you were also maybe like sisters, too. Yeah, we were. We were. It's just she was wonderful. John, our relationship were like, you know, what, if you can picture two little kids, it doesn't matter male or female, best friends, whatever. Uh, just little kids having a great time playing because that's what our life was. It was just having a good time. We were just like little kids. Just There was an innocence about our relationship. The book is a happy book, John. It's a happy, happy book. And sure, there's some sad parts, but the majority of it's very happy. I remember with my previous conversation with you off the air, you told me that IB program, the International Bureaucrate, had actually taken on your book. Is that right? Yes. A teacher from one of the local high schools, Cathedral City High School, read my book and thought it would be absolutely perfect for her class. Kids now are, are able to grasp the book and she thought it would be great for her kids so that, you know, it could teach love and compassion and to hopefully stop some bullying that happens in school. Yeah. And so it's now in the curriculum at, at this high school. And I hope I would love to have my book in other schools uh, to help kids. If yeah, I mean, if I can help one kid, my, I would be so tremendously happy. I would love that. Just love it. And I and I'll I'll be speaking to the kids and I'll do be doing, you know, Q and A with them and that is something that is so very, very exciting. I'm thrilled out of my mind. Dirtier minds from the past might think it's some sort of uh, salacious erotica. There's no erotica about it. It's just the sheer love and joy and, and really living vicariously with all these experiences that you and Joy went through. I, I really thought I was there for the ride. It was fantastic oh, that way. You. I'm so glad you are so glad. That makes me so happy, Sean. I think that personally this would make a fantastic movie and it really makes oh, sense. I'm, I'm surprised with such a phenomenal story how little people seem to understand or know uh, how this uh, amazing actress who started so young and only lived to be 43 years old uh, like just just blew up like a firework like an explosion and it just a, such a, a huge light. I would love to see a movie. Uh, do, do you? Oh, I would too. Do you have any ideas about who you'd want to play Joy if you if a movie was ever made? Yeah, well, she was so beautiful. There's a lot of serious and uh, but lighthearted 
someone with the acting ability, I think anyone who could play monster could do it. I think Charlize Theron would be great. Okay. What do you think, Sean? Is she's that beautiful? I mean, she doesn't. She doesn't have the, the, oh, yes. the assets. She doesn't have the assets, but they can create that in Hollywood. They can. They can give her. Uh, yeah, I think um, so. Uh, I mean, that's close, yeah. or or maybe a, I was thinking maybe Scarlett Johansson, but I mean that uh, she could do it. She could do it too. Similar and, uh, facial there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are a few actresses that I think that have the dimension. The, the, I mean, you have to be a really, really good actress, really good to, to be able to play this. Because there's so much happening, so many different. You, uh, you're you're playing an actress, being an actress, and then being a human. So yeah, right. the dimensions would right, be tricky. Right, right, right. Yeah, it would be very tricky. I would love to see Jennifer Lawrence play me. <laughs> yeah, that works well, actually. Now that I yeah, think wouldn't of it. it? Wouldn't that be perfect? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the age is correct. I mean. Well, Jennifer Lawrence is older than than but I was, but she looks young that. enough. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. And uh, Charlize is, uh, I think she's forty three. She is, yeah. Right now, I think she is forty three. Uh, she, I think, what was really bizarre is I think if if I remember correctly, she was born on the same day Joy died. Yes, not that not that year. A couple of years well, later, she, I have it here. Uh, she was born August the seventh, nineteen seventy five. So right, and Joy died in seventy two on August seventh. Right, and it's interesting because she's for well, and you want to start playing games. She's forty three now, and that would have been when right uh, Joy right. would have died. That's interesting. Right, isn't that isn't that a, a trip? lot yeah, of that no, going I would on love, with this story? Oh, I know, I know. I would love, I'd love Charlize to read the book. I would love it. So, anybody out there, if you know Charlize, <laughs> give her a jingle and tell her to read the book, please. I'll send it to her. I'd be happy to send it to her. Excellent. But uh, it would be great. It would be just great. So, listen, I think that's about all for now. Uh, I mean, thanks so, so much for being on the show, Alexis. Oh, thank you, Sean. Yeah, and if anybody would like to read the book, I hope you will. It's uh, it's an ebook. it's soft cover, hard cover, and it's also an audio book. And it's available on Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, and the publisher is, is Bear Manor Media. Perfect. So, uh you can find it anywhere. I'll put links up. Thanks so, so much for being on the show, Alexis. Oh, thank you so much, Sean. It's been a delight. You are a terrific host. Thank you. So thanks so, so much for listening to that episode or watching on YouTube. I'll remind you that you can find links to all of this stuff over at ShareSlicePodcast.com. You know, just as a parting thought, as I was doing research for this episode, uh, I came across an interesting uh, realization. So, Joy, we have hundreds, if not thousands of pictures of Joy on the internet, um, a medium that didn't even exist when she was alive and, you know, didn't come into existence until decades after she died and yet we have all these hundreds if not thousands of pictures but one thing i was not able to find a single shred of was a single written word or spoken word from joy lansing um 
when I was doing my research, I was desperately looking for some sort of um, radio interview, um, a newspaper column, uh, you know, uh, uh, a story, uh, uh, you know, some sort of interview on a set or, or anything at all. And, uh, or even a promo interview for one of her shows. And, um, I mean, these things might exist out there, but, uh, if they do, uh, they're not easily found on the internet. So the only words of joys that exist out there right now are ones that are contained within the books. Uh, this book in particular, uh, by Alexis Hunter, um, Everything else, uh, gone. It's just a real testament to to the challenges, I guess, of uh, being a woman back in the 50s, the 60s, and the 70s in Hollywood, a place where all the multimedia of the country is is basically concentrated. She was in multimedia. Her face was seen by uh, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people across the country. Uh, her voice was heard, but uh, nowhere can I find any words of, of, you know, her actual own person, her mind, uh, other than through this biography. So uh, that was an interesting realization, a bit, a bit depressing, um, but I'm hoping that, uh, you know, Joy's words live through um, Alexis's book. Um, if anybody can represent what she said, it would be Alexis. So that's good to know. So anyway, uh, leading out of this show, I'd like to play one last track by Joy Lansing, uh, called the silencer. And this was another one of her scopitones, like the web of love. So the actual video itself is a little less cheesy, but the the song is excellent. She has a wonderful, deep voice, and I hope you enjoy it. And uh, I hope you'll be back next time as well. Um, it could actually be, again, a week, two, maybe three, as I try to fill out the guest list. I'm experiencing some booking challenges. So um, bear with me. I will be back, and I'm looking forward to you guys listening to the next show. Thanks a lot, everyone. Bye. Intro theme by The Fantastic Plastics. Outro theme copyright 2019 by Scott Moon. Oh, a gun can be a 22 or a 38 and it will silence you. Dear sir, that is a silencer. But if you should see a lady who has the kind of waist that measures 22, and she's 38, where it is great to measure 38, dear sir, she is a Don't need a gun.
simple answer, dear friend. A glowing beacon of slack amidst the turmoil and darkness. It's J.R. Bob Dobbs, the living slack master in his church of the subgenius. Bob brings a new destiny for the abnormal. For Bob comes to justify our sins, to unmask the conspiracy, and to get us back the slack they stole away. It's us versus them. Are you going to fry in hell on earth alongside the pink boys? Or will you pull the wool over your own eyes and accept Bob into your mind? Repent, quit your job, slack off, and praise Bob! Church of the Subject is eternal salvation or triple your money back. You're not dreaming. You're here in the vast and technologically advanced OSI 74 studios, where my co-host, Miss Mittens, and I, your host, Mr. Lobo, are getting ready to host a brand new season of cinema insomnia. But this time, we want to get you Sinsomniacs involved. Please come join us at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash cinema insomnia where you'll find Mr. Lobo is making your new TV shows and we're involving you in the process even at the dollar level you will have access to uh, exclusives that other insomniacs aren't you'll have access to Mr. Lobo that few insomniacs get to enjoy uh, there'll be other perks at other tiers too You'll be able to get props from the show, potentially. Uh, you'll be able to get um, your name in the credits, perhaps. Uh, maybe you could uh, bend steel bars with your bare hands, levitate cars, fly. I mean, think of it. Anything is possible if you come, be a part, and join our inner, sweet, double-stuffed, deep, salty, caramel double-dipped, gooey, center, super core. And, um, Mr. Lobo's getting hungry all of a sudden, but, um, look, you hit the subscribe bar, Mr. Lobo's gonna hit the snack bar, and, and we'll see you later for a brand new season of Cinema and Sound. Mm-hmm.